Do meditators still push the limits of the body and mind to become enlightened? For example, the story you told about the monk who stuck his finger in a fire, or Zen monks who stand under cold waterfalls to strengthen the mind. Um, yes, many meditators still do that, and they, they push the limits and think that might help to uh, become enlightened. Um, I would say to push the limits a little bit might be very helpful, but it is for, for an unexperienced person very hard to see the limit and um, when to see the point when you push to the limit or when you push over it. And when you push over it, it can become very dangerous and stupid even. Like stucking the finger in a fire is not helpful to become enlightened. Um, it might be to have good physical uh, strength. Um, it might be very helpful to to stand under cold waterfalls and that strengthens mind and body, but it's not um, helpful for becoming enlightened. It's, it might help with your concentration, it might strengthen your health, as I said, but that has nothing to do with enlightenment. Mm, that can very easily um, make your ego very strong mm -hmm. and um, I know some of peop uh, some of the people who who did such things. I met some uh, some Mahayana nuns who who made such things. One were, uh, has uh, been burning her arm. Another had a, a coal had put a coal on her head and almost died. She, she passed out. Uh, a passed out, yeah, and, and fell over uh, so that the coal fell off and that saved her life. Otherwise, she, um, yeah, that would have been the end of her uh, striving for enlightenment. So that is what can happen when you push over the limits. Um, but when you are on retreat, and you are not going to the limits um, and when you not really push them with the help of uh, an experienced teacher then you will not have the results that you can have when you push them a little bit but um, it is very important to have the, the guidance of a teacher because as I mentioned before you might not know where the limits are you you might ha think that um, a fasting, starving, might be a good thing to help you to become enlightened, or that to to stay up all night before the teacher tells you might be a good thing, but it is not. It will ruin your um, meditation practice because it, it has more to do with your ego and with your defilements than with actually the the way of letting go and 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 uh, being at in the present moment 
and doing what is what needs to be done in the present moment in order to become enlightened so it's not easy to say yes and no to this question but I said all I have to say yeah it um, makes me think of, of Lumpo Jodok what, what you're saying uh, makes me think of what Lumpo Jodok said he said we don't have we can't see our own eyes and uh, this is because we, why can't you see your own eyes because you don't have a mirror and he said so in the same way we we can't see our own defilements because we don't have the mirror of wisdom so really it's a good it's a good point it's not exactly what was being asked but why pushing oneself should really best be done under a qualified teacher i mean it's 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 a very good point as to how to deal with pushing yourself it, it should i agree it has should have to do with the teacher but i think it it's um also because the you see the, the the state of enlightenment shouldn't be any kind of striving no the state of enlightenment is is the we could say the perfect natural state so an arahant is in the natural state the rest of us are all mixed up some of us push ourselves too hard in things some of us are too lazy in things some of us are on the wrong path some of us are on the right path or or on a good path some of us are on a bad path we have all different kinds and and most of us are none of the above and all of the above we're all mixed up sometimes we push ourselves too hard sometimes we're too lazy sometimes we get on the good path a good path sometimes we get on a bad path sometimes we go nowhere and just run around in circles sometimes we just stand there and look left and look right and don't know where to go this is what the state that we're in an arahant doesn't have any of this they're not pushing themselves in, in any way when when they when they practice it's natural you know they're it, it, it's not it's effortless you would say um this is how i think we should understand the state of the arahant that it's it's a natural state so pushing yourself means means to to affect some kind of a change we're we're trying to get ourselves back to a state of equilibrium where we're simply aware of things where we're aware of things as they arise without any kind of uh, um, any kind of partiality but the, the pushing yourself is the effort to do that it's not the effort to go to this extreme or that extreme and so the teacher's job is when you push yourself too hard to pull you back so when a person is is pushing themselves too hard you you either warn them in in cases that they're torturing themselves you have to you have to tell them not to do that in cases that they're getting excited about something they they're pushing themselves because they're they're really getting excited about something it's the teacher's job to get bored and to be uninterested to 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 show them that that is not something interested so meditators come and say i saw this i saw that and they're like oh yeah did you acknowledge and reminding them that this is not something special this is not the the goal when meditators are too lazy or, or or not pushing hard enough it's the teacher's job to say today do more meditation or today i give you a, a new exercise and to push them on when a meditator is struggling it's the teacher's job to encourage them uh, all of these things are because we can't see our own defilements we can't see uh, what what we're lacking when you push yourself you're pushing yourself based on your current conditions so if you have intention to, if you have excitement about something 
you'll 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 decide that you have to push yourself to be more excited about it. Or if you're stressing about something, you'll you'll think, yes, I have to push myself harder because that's the stress that you have. You, it's very difficult without wisdom, without the wisdom and the the experience of having gone through the practice on your own to to catch yourself and say, no, no, I have to do the opposite of what I want to do right? because I'm out of balance. So people who push themselves is is generally in that category. And it's, as Panyani said, I agree, it's often associated with ego. And the person might not be egotistical, but it's associated with a... Um, an idea or a, a concept or a view that some segment of reality is better. No, I should torture myself. If I go to this extreme, it will be good. And loses sight of the balance, the state of balance, which is simply aware of things as they are. I mean, when you stand under a waterfall, you should be aware of standing under a waterfall. When you stick your finger in a fire, you should be aware of sticking your finger in the fire. The the act of doing it is nothing has nothing to do with being enlightened it has it has no reference no no relation um even if it's something that makes your mind more powerful if it's something that makes your your body more healthy if it's something that um you know tests your mind or so on or or, or you know tests your 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 um endurance or your your ability to bear certain experiences um all of these can actually be hindrances to the practice. A person who has a strong main mind can become attached to having a strong mind. A person who has a strong body can, of course, become attached to having a strong body. The story about the monk who stuck his finger in the fire is, I think, a little bit different. The, 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 the reason why he did that was not to test himself. He, he wanted to offer his finger to the Buddha, uh, or, or not exactly to the Buddha, to uh, as a... Uh, an offering to the Dhamma kind of in in his determination to become a Buddha so he, he didn't stick his finger in the fire he burnt his finger to the to the stump I don't know which finger maybe the baby finger hopefully not one he uses all the time but he burnt it to the stump so he has no finger left that's what they said and it was a sacrifice that he made so it wasn't exactly about pushing himself it was some idea that some people might say was um, extreme or crazy, but uh, was a part of his um, determination, making a sincere determination to become a Buddha. Which, you know, honestly, my teacher, when he told this story, he was it was it was he had just gotten back from going around the world, and it was in front of all of the lay people from the village that we were that were in in Jomtong, and he said. I don't think anybody here could do that. I think you'd all pass out <laughs> before before you go. He said, "You you people wouldn't." He said, "Nobody here would be would would uh, ever be able to do such a thing." He said, uh, uh, "I think we wouldn't wouldn't be able to stand such a thing." And he was laughing about it. Uh, so so it is it is somehow to be um, to to be esteemed in 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 one sense or to be appreciated that uh, this monk was able to have that much determination because the point being that that's what you that you need that kind of determination to become a buddha uh, to become a buddha you need more than that you have to be willing to walk across uh, an ocean of hot embers or swim through an ocean of razor blades from one end to the other if that's what it takes to become enlightened so that's what that was about it wasn't ex it was kind of pushing the limits of of one's uh, uh, intention to become a buddha 
Um, there's one thing I want to add. Uh, you mentioned the determination, and that, of course, is a great determination the monk did uh, to become a Buddha. But when a meditator is on a retreat and has the, the goal to become enlightened, uh, this determination is needed, kind of, this determination is needed. Um, I would say you... you get out as a result what you give in when you are really able willing to to give up your life then um, then you will have good results but I don't think that's pushing to the limits although it might seem to some it is but this is more like oh, I would say it's more like letting go of any limits and letting go of, of the wanting to live the life as you lived it before. Mm. Um, yeah, that's a, a very, very different, uh, um, important point when you are on retreat, not so much when you're meditating alone at home. And um, just it's kind of the difference between putting up with deadly pain and 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 bringing it on no i mean the 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 giving up one's life should be um for the purpose of meditating or saying no matter what comes i'm not going to react mm. or i'm going to let go i'm going to accept the experience no whatever phenomena arise seeing hearing smelling tasting feeling thinking i'm going to see them just as seeing hearing smelling i'm not going to be partial to them in any way and that includes death that includes you know dying so we were doing that's that was the test that night to to do walking meditation and sitting meditation in the rain and we managed to do 45 minutes of walking in in heavy rain and even the lightning struck so the lightning struck just three, you know, a few miles away. It was, it was quite close, and so immediately this thought arose: Wow, I could, I could really die here. I mean, this is no longer an intellectual exercise. So we're doing walking back and forth, and thinking like this: like, th this could be my last moment. I mean, obviously, it's, it's a little bit um, hyperbolic because, you know, but lightning has struck very close to our monastery. We felt the lightning in our feet. You know. It's blown out the lights and so on. So it is hitting all around us, and it could hit. But this feeling arose, and, and suddenly, you know, this is this is really it. And so we, you know, set in the mind that that we're doing this. Uh, we're we're going to take whatever comes, even if, even to that extent. We're not going to, we're not going to project anything on this experience of of knowing. You know, this these thoughts that know that you could die. We're going to take those as just thoughts. These worries or these fears or this, you got to get out of here. <laughs> we're going to take that as a thought. And if and when we die, we're going to um, be mindful of that as it occurs. So reminding yourself that this could happen at any time, you better be ready for it. And being as mindful as you can, one step by one, step by step by step. I think that you could consider within the limits. We weren't in the rain thinking that rain was somehow going to help us. But we had made a determination to practice there. And so come what may, we're going to do the practice. And I think that can be useful. There's a story of a monk who, who, who practiced meditation while it was snowing you know, out in the open. And he just sat through it and persevered. 
persevering in the face of, there was a story of a monk who I think um, there's a story of the monk in this monk in the Visuddhimagga who was determined to keep his morality so these bandits they tied him up with a vine that was still alive and so I, I, this is how I understand the story it was still alive so he didn't want to break it by freeing himself he knew that he could break out of it but if he broke out of it he'd be breaking the precept this this you know not even a, an immoral precept but it was one of the monks precepts not to to kill vegetable life as well and so he didn't do it and he was sitting in sitting tied up in in the forest and suddenly a forest fire came and the bandits ran away and he was left sitting there and he knew he could break out of it but he didn't break out of it and he he sat there and was burnt to death and the monks found him later and and erected a jetia a pagoda in his honor thinking wow this guy was really serious so i mean even to that extent i would say you're still within the limits of of what is correct practice and what is useful practice theoretically i mean if a monk decides he wants to break out of the vines and break the precepts i'm not going to scold him about it but uh but i don't think it's necessary to scold the monk who who in fact the monks at the time seemed to think it was a incredible practice and an incredible sacrifice that kind of pushing yourself pushing yourself to stay with and to to not react but the action the intention to do something has not just to do with ego i think also wrong view and it has to do with what i was saying about see the Paramasa, thinking that somehow this practice has some benefit and that leads to a perversion in the mind when you think that standing under waterfalls is going to be uh, of, of benefit to you when you think that um, you know, standing on one leg or looking at the sun when it rises or you think putting your finger through a, a, a in a candle flame is somehow going to benefit your practice that has an effect on the mind it, it in it augments your wrong view and your attachment to wrong practice and and also the ego and self as well so i think there's a diff that that's where i would draw the line in, in terms of staying with it uh, even to the point of death uh, and and actually encouraging it. So in the Sabhasa Sutta, the Buddha says, even pain to the point of death, you should you should forbear. You should be patient with. This is uh, adivasana pahataba. But then he says, I think vinodana pahataba, the one the running away. He said, but if you're walking down a path and you come to a bramble bush, you shouldn't just walk through the bramble bush. This is where you should avoid certain things because there's no benefit from going walking through the bramble bush. If you're walking in the forest and uh, an elephant starts charging at you, well, you should go around the elephant or, or you know, avoid the elephant or even run from the elephant in zigzag patterns because apparently they can't run in zigzags. <laughs> so, so the Buddha actually says there are cases where you might want to avoid certain things. But the... I, th I think the point of not not creating suffering for that purpose, because that's called silabhata paramasa. I think it's important uh, for us to understand that for an enlightened being, it might be different to sit in the forest bound up with uh, uh, grass or with, with uh, what was it? Wine. Uh, with wine. Right. And... and um, die in the fire but for for unenlightened beings that it's maybe better to yeah. run <laughs> this is true the other thing is you don't always want to push yourself the only thing i was saying is you can't blame you can't fault the guy but you shouldn't fault you, sh you, sh you shouldn't 
consider that that's necessary or that's yeah. the, you know Certainly. that's even the best because it could be that by doing that you're born in hell as a result or because you're oh my god I'm burning up whereas you could have instead left and gone and practiced practice vipassana and become enlightened and at least gone to heaven yeah